Good to be with you all today. Good to be back uh, on this Labor Day weekend, to be with you here at the 9 a.m. service. Thanks for being here. Uh, I was out last Sunday because I was sleeping in because uh, my son Jacob got married last Saturday and we were up late dancing and got home very late, so it was a great time. And I'll make a few kind of fun comments about that later, but it's good to be with you on this morning. So let's dive right into today's passage. Again, we are in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 14, verses 15 through 24, which follows closely on last week's passage. This is God's Word. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let us pray. Lord, on this Sunday again, we thank you for your word. And God, as we're gathered together in this room to hear from you, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts as we look at your scripture again be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in the Gospels and here in the Gospel of Luke, which we've been studying for many months, many of the stories are familiar to us. So especially, you know, if you've been around church for a few years or for many of you most of your lives, you recognize these stories. And today is another one which is very familiar. It's the story of the parable of the great banquet that Jesus teaches us. And if you were here at ZPC and Liz included this in her prayer and you've been to a great banquet or an awakening here at Zionsville or somewhere else, somewhere else you'll, you'll recognize some of the wording, especially the line that says, come, for everything is now ready. And it kind of makes me, been, been to a great banquet, think of arriving at the kickoff on a Thursday night or maybe before the first talk as you get ready for the weekend on Friday morning. But for at least three of the characters here that we read about in this story, hearing that line, come for everything is now ready, causes a different response. And if we go back into the story just a little bit, Jesus is inviting them, and Jesus, uh, we, we think, is the host of the, of the banquet, but also he's telling the story, the parable. He's telling the, the guests, they've all been invited to a great banquet, and they accepted the invitation, but now when it was time to actually begin the party, they come up with reasons why they can't come. And actually, 
it says in the scriptures, they are excuses. And I read several commentaries on Wednesday afternoon of this week, and a lot of the experts think these are poor excuses for not coming at the last minute. And they could have been insulting to the host, sort of like the excuse a student would give, the dog ate my homework. The teacher wouldn't, wouldn't like to hear that one. In fact, we were meeting some of us here on staff on Thursday morning, and one of our friends on staff I was talking to said her wedding many years ago was in southern Indiana, and a guest came to this ceremony, but then came to one of her family members and kind of said, excuse me, but I need to go to the outlet malls in Edinburgh on my way home, so I'm not coming to the reception. <laughs> Don't you think that's kind of a, it's kind of a lame excuse? And you told the family member that? So, yeah, it's like, also a poor excuse. Well, how do we know that this was insulting um, to the host of the party? Well, in biblical times, people usually lived in small villages where everyone pretty much knew everyone else, and oftentimes the host would send a servant to go around and make personal invitations. And once they generally, kind of like weddings are today, they had a count and an idea of everyone who was coming they would have the food prepared and get the party ready. And then on that day, at that specific time, <clears throat> the servant would go back out and say, come for everything is now ready, a, a verbal second invitation. The food's ready. It's time to come. Come to the party over at my house down the street. <clears throat> it was at this time that the people gave their <clears throat> excuse, excuses. Ben Wetherington says the first person should have expected, inspected his land prior to purchase, and the second man should have already tried out his oxen. The third person who was just married should have said no in the first place. So the party was ready, the food was ready, and so now it's really insulting to say, well, I told you I was going to come, but now I've changed my mind and I'm not coming we see the response from the host or the master in verse 21. It says, the master gets angry. And if we think about, <clears throat> I think rightfully so, that the master or the host is Jesus, it might make us uncomfortable that Jesus gets angry. And so I was trying to put myself in the shoes of the host in the story. How would I feel hearing this? And I think I would get angry too. As a parent, we might get frustrated or angry <clears throat> when we offer our kids something we know that is wonderful and they flippantly say, eh, no thanks, I don't think I want that, mom or dad. You're like, this is really great. You should take this anyway. But the host uh, makes a, a change. Instead of remaining angry, he, he acts on what has happened here and he says, go out quickly to his servant. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And we might think, well, I think which is correct, that's beautiful. So he's taking something bad and he's making it good by inviting all these other people to come who, who normally wouldn't be invited to the party. But people of that day, in Jesus' time, believed a person that was crippled. They were crippled probably because they were being judged by God for a sin that they had had. We can even read in the Gospel of John that a person who was blind from birth was blind because he or his parents had sinned. So why would these people be accepted at a rich person's banquet? Because they weren't typically accepted in society. But because the master of the banquet is Jesus, 
he will invite everyone to join his banquet, and he invites everyone into his kingdom, no matter, no matter their background or where they're from. But still, the banquet wasn't full, so the master tells the servant to go into the streets and the country lanes and compel them to come. So we believe that Jesus is now talking about people out on the streets, maybe the homeless, maybe that people are wandering, maybe the people that don't have a place to go. They are to come to the banquet to make it full. And in the last verse of our passage today, what about the people who made excuses not to come? Yes, the master was angry, and he said they will not even get a taste of the banquet. So it's a different-looking banquet. The, the beautiful people, the people who were originally invited, the people of the town, probably some of the friends and the, the close townspeople, are not there but the disadvantaged, the under-resourced, maybe even the hungry and the homeless are there at the banquet. So as I said earlier, so in my family, we had a big deal last week. My son Jacob, he's my oldest child of four, is age 25. He married his college sweetheart, Lauren, and they got married last Saturday. It was so fun. I know I'm biased, but it was a beautiful wedding. Uh, even the rehearsal dinner, I, I love the rehearsal dinners because it's your to the bridesmaids and the groomsmen and your closest family members, and that's really a special time as well. But the wedding day was great. Everyone's dressed up. I wasn't super excited about wearing a tux, but then I'm glad I did because, you know, I looked like, dressed like my son and my other two sons who were, who were groomsmen, and it was fun. It was a spiritual ceremony. It took place right here, which was great to be at ZPC. Another pastor friend of theirs officiated this ceremony, it was great, and yes, we danced a lot. Claire and I like to dance, and, uh, and we danced a lot, but no, Jerry, there's no video. He said last week there might be video. There might exist video, but there's not any here today. So, <clears throat> But for us, we felt like it was a little bit of heaven. You know, having all these people, uh, Lauren's family and friends, who's Jacob's wife now, and all of our family and friends, in one place at one time, it's just so unique, and that's one of the things I love about weddings. But as I thought about it, we kind of all looked the same. We kind of came from the same backgrounds, and pretty much we knew everybody. And one thing I like about this story today in Luke is that the guests throughout the story become different. At first, they probably were the townspeople and the friends at this feast that the host, this party that the host is throwing but some say they can't come at the last minute. <clears throat> and one commentator says that, that perhaps even more people were saying no, but the, the, the servant stopped after asking three people and maybe went back to the host to tell him something's wrong. A lot of people aren't coming. Having a little frog in my throat this morning. Let's take a drink of water. Hopefully clear that up. <clears throat> So another Bible commentator says the Jewish people have been invited since they knew a Messiah was coming and now he is here in, in biblical terms. And some have followed Jesus, some Jews have chosen to follow Jesus, but many, many now reject him. So now his banquet will be open to Gentiles, all non-Jewish people, which could have been shocking to the very observant Jewish people. But Jesus' great banquet, God's kingdom, will look different than we will expect. In, expect. It will include 
everyone that Jesus has given an invitation to and everyone that said yes. So Jesus uses the example of the poor, the lame, the blind, people from the streets, people who don't look like maybe we think they should look like, the A-list guests. Earlier this year in March, I was able to go to Egypt on a mission trip uh, with a couple people that are actually here this morning with five of us from ZPC and many other Americans who were in Egypt at the same time. And one day, on, on a Friday actually, which is, is a day of worship in Egypt for Muslims, we got to worship at the largest Protestant church in Egypt, most likely the largest Protestant church in the Middle East, a church that has many thousands of members. And at that worship service, there were probably one to 2,000 people in worship. <clears throat> Again, it was a sanctuary that was much larger than ours, and as I looked around, we sat near the front because we were the guests, but it was very full, and the Egyptian Christians were singing their praises to God, but it wasn't in English, it was in Arabic, and it was just really cool, and I felt a little bit like a, a guest at the United Nations because we had an earpiece that we all got to have in our ears, and we had a translator actually translating the songs that they were singing into English, into our ears as we listen to people sing beautifully in Arabic. I looked to my left and some of the people were dressed in traditional Arab or Middle Eastern robes, but they were Christians and they were singing praises to God. And so I thought about that, that we might not expect that a great banquet in heaven will look like that. But as we think more about it, God says people from every tribe, every nation, Every background will be in heaven. And if we think about it, most of them won't look like Americans. They won't look or talk or sing like us, but they will be at a great feast together with us. So the Jewish leaders, the one who rejected Jesus, the expected people, are the, the expected people who, to be at the banquet are the ones who are coming up with excuses and they won't get to experience this great feast or banquet. It's their loss because Jesus will invite others and he will fill his banquet anyway. Last Sunday, and I watched it on video this week, Jerry preached on humility. And in today's story, the host in one way is humbled by last minute rejections to his party. But I think he uses his humility and who he is to kind of turn the tables I don't think he lets his anger linger very long because he turns his anger into grace. He invites the disadvantaged and people in the streets to come. And those who are left out in the end, probably watching from a distance this great party going on, are the ones humbled. So I had the chance to preach just, uh, I think, three weeks ago in our outdoor service, if you were here. I think it was on August 13th. And we talked that day, and I talked about Philip Yancey. I've been reading two books by Philip Yancey in the last month and a half or so. He's one of my favorite Christian writers, I said, of the last 30 years or so. And I've been rereading the book, What's So Amazing About Grace? And he says in there that grace, which is God's undeserved, unmerited, unmerited love, is kind of hard for us to comprehend. So in the book... Instead of describing grace, he does describe it in some ways, but he tells a lot of stories. He says, I'm going to tell you stories about what grace is like. 
Because it's easier to understand in a story what it's like than just describing it maybe in theological terms. So one of the stories he kind of tells in long form, and I'm going to shorten it just a bit, about grace is a modern-day true story of a similar great banquet. Here's the story. He said this was first reported in the Boston Globe newspaper in 1990. A bride had wedding invitations already mailed. They were already mailed. They were about to probably be received in people's mailboxes. And then her fiancé, the groom, got cold feet. And he said something like, I'm not sure. It's a big commitment to be married, and I want to wait. And he pulled out of the wedding, but the invitations were already out. The jilted bride decided to go ahead with a big party after she went to where the reception was going to be in downtown Boston, and she found out she could only get back a small portion of what they had paid for the reception because it was, it was very close to the date. Just 10 years before in her story, she had been living in a homeless shelter, but she had gotten back on her feet, she found a good job, and had a sizable savings account, so she decided she was going to throw a big party anyway and go through with the reception. Reading from Philip Yancey, he goes on to say this, the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston hosted a party as it had never seen before. The hostess, the jilted bride, changed the menu, the main item on the menu, to boneless chicken in honor of the groom. Do you like that? I like that, boneless chicken. I like that a lot too. She sent invitations to homeless shelters and rescue missions, and that night, people who were used to peeling half-eaten pizza off the cardboard box instead died on chicken, chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters dressed in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvres to senior citizens propped up on crutches and walkers. Bag ladies, vagrants, and drug addicts took one night from hard life on the sidewalks and instead sipped champagne, ate chocolate wedding cake, and danced to big band melodies late into the night. It's a great story, and I think sometimes for us, we may feel like the honored guest at the wedding, as it was kind of talked about last week. Maybe we get to sit at the honored table of the dinner party, but other times we may feel like an uninvited guest or the person maybe that's out on the street. We may not feel worthy of Jesus' love or invitation, but we all get the invitation to be at the banquet, the great banquet, a greater banquet, here with Jesus. And when we get that invitation, any kind of invitation from Jesus, may we say yes to be with him and to enjoy celebrating life with him. In the story, we know who didn't get to go to the big party at the Hyatt Hotel in Boston was the groom. When he had the chance to say yes, to receive the love of a wife, to give love in return, he backed out, and he came up with a last-minute excuse. And so he missed out on this beautiful banquet. It was his choice, and it was his loss. So today, Matt, we think about as there's something Jesus is inviting us to do, to join into, maybe a new job, a new team, a new class or something, or a new relationship? Is there something we're in being invited to give up for Jesus, maybe a bad habit or something that's 
holding us back, something where we may need to tell someone that we're sorry and ask for forgiveness. Many people, as I was reading this week, said, don't wait, don't settle for second best, don't make excuses, say yes to Jesus' invitation. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, who's a Bible commentator, says this about invitation, especially in this story. He says, people today make the same mistake that people in the parable made. They delay in responding to the invocation, invitation because they settle for second best. If these good things keep you from enjoying the best things, then the, they, are, they become bad things. He talks about that sometimes we settle for second best when actually whatever Jesus has to offer is the best. So don't settle for second best. Instead, accept Jesus' invitation. So this is the parable of the great banquet, and you know that ZPC has a ministry called the Great Banquet. It's a, it's a ministry that's in many states and many churches, many communities across the nation. And if you were here last week or you watched on video as I did, you saw Tim and Marissa Cope did a great job of talking about why they attended the Great Banquet. If you want to see what they had to say, you can go on our website. It's in last week's worship service. It's in there. But for many guests at the Great Banquet, the first time they are invited, they say no. And some of the excuses or reasons that I've heard is they're too busy. There's something else already planned that week. It's too hard to miss work because you have to come on a Thursday night. You miss Friday. Kids sports, oftentimes our kids or grandkids sports are on Saturday. And for many, it's a fear of the unknown. They don't know what this thing, great banquet, might be like. Maybe they're going to have to share too much. But unlike this parable from Jesus, there are lots of great banquets. They are twice a year. And so people who have said no once can say yes sometimes else. And I want to say here, you don't need to attend a great banquet or an awakening to be a Christian. It's not some club that you have to join. But I do think that if you do attend most likely, you will see God's grace, God's amazing grace, in a new and refreshing way. So I think then for us, how do we apply today's message to us? If Jesus is inviting you into a first-time relationship with him, say yes. If Jesus is inviting you into anything with him, if you sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit thinking, I think this is from God asking me to, to do something, inviting me to do something, tell him yes. Ask him for confirmation. Ask him daily for help to accept his invitation to you, whatever that invitation is. Towards the end of the week, I sent an email to several people that I know that are very invested in the great banquet, and I, I asked them to talk about kind of this invitation part. Why did you accept an invitation? And then have you made invitation to others? Because I think the invitation is an important part of this story. Here's what one person said about accepting the invitation. The great banquet changed my entire life, and it just takes an invitation to start to change that tra trajectory for someone else. In my life, where there once was the need to control, I now surrender. Where there once was anxiety, I now trust. 
Where there once was turmoil, I now have peace. My entire life for the last decade has been indescribably better, and I've been through the most difficult trials in that same decade. With Jesus, all trials can be navigated with him taking the burden and him healing the pain. So here in Great Banquet or Awakening Weekends, and if you've been, you know this, you attend only once. But then you have the opportunity to invite someone else or maybe come alongside and serve a dinner, uh, kind of a great feast at one of the meals during the weekend of those great banquets. So I also ask in this email, do you invite others to the great banquet or awakening? Here's one response I got. I have invited many people to the banquet and always for the same reason. Because why not go spend dedicated time with God and feel his love and grace deeply through this experience? We all need it. There are sadly too few times and places where you get that kind of focused time with God in Christian community. So once you have said yes to God's invitation of grace, whether it's at a literal great banquet or whether it's some other way that you've said yes to God's invitation, take the time to then invite others. You are the party guest, and now you can become the party host. A wise person once said, telling people about God's grace is like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. May we receive God's grace and share it with others. Let us pray. Most loving God, as we prepare to come to this banquet in front of us, we give you thanks for loving us and for bringing us into your presence even today. And God, we ask that you bless us. God, to accept your invitations, plural, in our lives, whatever those invitations are. And then, God, to respond in grace as we receive your grace to help find ways to share that grace with others. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.